The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Don't tell us everybody. Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, April 27th. If you're listening on audio, if you watch the awkward cold open I had to do on YouTube, it is Tuesday, April 26th, and we are going to do some draft props. Joining us to do so, the legendary ringer writer, Benjamin Solak. Ben, what's up, buddy? Don't know much about Legendary, but I do write the ringer. Thanks for the intro. Appreciate it, man. I like. I, I actually like how the whoever is in charge of hiring at the ringer is like, look, Kevin Clark, washed, faded, old. Correct. Out. Yep. We're bringing in Solak and Ruiz. You guys, you guys do really good. You guys, I find y'all's in-season writing to be some of the best there is out there. Uh, I We have a good time. I've been a long time big fan of of not only the people at the ringer but also of steven like when they asked yeah. me in my interview they were like hey like who do you read i was like steven ruiz and then three weeks later they hired him and i was like oh. i win this is me yeah. i have done this i'm sure that's not the case um but we have we have a good time with kevin man kevin is is a I'm pure, kevin, he's a Kevin's pure takesman at heart which is good he's, when you're like a big like film guy or betting guy or whatever like i am because you get into these into these these rabbit holes right you you run down you come up with this like unbelievably bad absurd take and kevin just lets you run with it for as long as he as you want which is always very kind of him kevin and i text about nc state miami recruiting battles or or like or like like he, anyway i get his i get his golf bets texts now and i'm always like go your guy i don't watch golf at all but he knows i gamble so he'll just send me his golf bets and be like he didn't live here go, what the hell Clark, yeah, Clark, send me your golf bets. Kev's a big golf guy now. I know he's, he's a huge power. golf guy. Yeah, we text about golf and Miami NC State ACC stuff, which literally is a very niche, uh, a very niche uh, segment. Um, I should point out to everyone in the comments, we were early, so screw you. Um, we're going to talk draft props. Solak and I are so far down a like like all right on a. If, if you were if you were like creating, let's say that there's a rabbit hole, right? And you 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 know you start at the top at the surface level, and that's one, and ten is like the core of the earth. How deep are we in this draft prop rabbit hole at this point? Okay, uh, I almost bet Sam Howell to go in the first round yesterday. So <laughs> wherever that is, that's gonna be like inner core at the that's least, right? Yeah, where I was like, you know a team could really talk themselves into Sam Howell in the first round, which is just a horrible sentence, but also a reality of this draft. Uh, I thought because there, there was less certainty, more chaos in this draft. I was going to bet less. And instead I've just bet more. Uh, and right. I've bet more long shots and more like exactas than I, I ever would in the past, right? All these like long odds plus 500 and whatever, but it's because books are leaving those hanging, implying a degree of certainty in the top guys that hasn't been appropriate for months now, right? Like the, Certainty and Hutch at number one has never been correct. And then it all trickles down from there and being like, who's going at two? Thibodeau's falling, you know, Hamilton's falling, whatever. Like it's all still up in the air. And so there's a lot of long shots that we just got to hit a couple and we'll be good. But it is yes. a scary sheet to look at when you're like, oh, man. I, I was going through my pendings last night and yeah. I was like, oh man, did I really make that bet? Um, all right, let's, all right, let's start with one really quickly. And, but because I am, 
on the hook for Trevon Walker at one, mm-hmm. uh, both financially and professionally. My reputation. <laughs> and if Icky, look, if Icky Aquano goes one, I'm fine with it. It helps my school. It helps. I like, I, I can survive it monetarily, but I definitely prefer Trevon Walker by a long shot. The only thing, and we were talking about this like right before we went live, the, I just don't want Hutch to go one. Yeah. Like, as long as Hutch doesn't go one, because I have a ton of Hutch over one and a half. I also have Hutch uh, at two, three, four, and five, where like it, it It'll 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 be fine if Hutch doesn't go one. You are an Eagles guy. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson is now the Jaguars coach. Good coach. Good coach. I think he's a good coach. Great coach. Yeah. the 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 buzz today, and we're talking on Tuesday, April twenty sixth, is that Doug Peterson might have quote the juice to make the pick at one. I don't buy that because. I don't think that an owner, even one who, based on Albert Breer's column or, you know, Shad Khan's more involved, more hands-on, mm-hmm. I don't believe that an owner would retain a GM and then allow that GM to help hire the coach and then completely, for lack of a better phrase, cuckold the GM by letting the, the coach make the number one overall pick mm-hmm. in the face of what we've been told the GM wants. So to me, it's still Walker. But if the, if the idea that Peterson has the juice is true, it could be icky at one, right? Or are you, where do you stand on that? I think if you have to ask slash report 48 hours before the draft that the head coach is calling the shots, he's not calling the shots, right? When, when the head coach is calling the shots, we know, we know from like either from a report three months ago, that's like, team now hiring a general manager envisions a larger role in decision-making for their head coach. Or we just, we just, at this point, no, we know that like Ron Rivera calls shots in Washington. Correct. When they hired Ron, they didn't really have a GM. And also it's Ron Rivera. He's been around. You know what I mean? Like John do you, Schneider, do you, remember, right? do you remember when Byron Leftwich wanted the Jaguars job? Yeah. And he wanted to bring his own GM. Yeah. And they were like, no. Yeah. Like, they, 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 they've, they've told you who the guy is there. Right. Correct. And, and, and the default should be that draft guys are, are are GMs are the guys calling the shots on draft day, right? Like that's what we should expect. So you look at a place like the Lions at two, where there seems to be a split between general manager Brad Holmes and head coach Dan Campbell in regards to uh, who they might take it to pending who's available. If it's a 50-50 coin flip and I have to call heads or tails, I'm probably going to call the GM side just because when it comes to draft day, usually that's the guy that's in charge, right? Is the guy that has that role. And so when it pertains to the the Jaguars at one, I very much expect it to be Walker. I would not be surprised if it's Icky, just because that's been the other guy that people have been fighting for in the building and things can always change. I would be very surprised if it's Hutch because all of the Hutch buzz over the last couple months has been ownership. And ownership always has that, that you know break glass in case of emergency red button we can just take this thing over you own but, the team you can do yeah. whatever you want but for us to have such a clear moment on monday where everybody was like hutch is out indicates yeah. to me that ownership said to general manager and to head coach you guys can make the, like we want hutch but we're going to put this ball in your court and, and i would be surprised if they took it back yeah you can't as an owner undermine both your gm and your head coach like that doesn't like you fired Urban Meyer after a disaster, like the most disastrous hire in the history of NFL football. You retained Trip Balky, who obviously submarined Urban with the whole mm-hmm. punch to kicker story or kick to kicker story. And then you let Balky hire Doug Peterson. And then you're going to undermine both of them by forcing them to draft a right. guy that they don't want. That that no, not even the Jaguars are that dumb. You're gonna be picking. Oh, I wouldn't go so far as to say okay, that. Fair, but fair. you're gonna be picking one overall next year if you do it. You know what yes. I'm saying? And that's the thing: is dysfunctional franchises stay dysfunctional. So assuming rational actors is always a little bit scary. You always have to be careful when you're like the team will do the smart thing in the NFL because that's not always the case. But in this instance, reading the tea leaves, following the dominoes, it seems to me like Hutch, who was the owner's guy, is off the board. Yep. I expect it to be Walker, and if it's not Walker, it's 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 icky. And I'm certain that if it's not Walker, it's icky. Yes. That they don't they they icky is their guy at tackle, and if it's not Walker, it's a tackle, which is icky. So those are your two left for the Jags, and so 
Like some books are still hanging Oquanu at a decent price. But other than that, I'm content to just sit on the Walker money I have now. And if I have Hutch, I'm still okay. And I would say too that as of Tuesday and include and on into Wednesday and Thursday, because I think the price is going to go up. Mm-hmm. You can bet Hutch over at any number. Like we have a, a buddy in chat who says that once you once you have factual information regarding like related to the draft, mm-hmm. the odds technically become infinity. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. Hutch shouldn't not, be scared of juice. Right. Do not be scared of juice. Like he's like, oh, it's minus two eighty five. I can't bet that. Yes, you can bet that. If right. you have the if you have the financial means and or the credit, you can bet Hutch overs because it, he's not going one. Two, however, a different story. And you and I were yeah. deeming about this last night. And no one no one knows what the Lions are doing. Nor should they, I guess. Right. Hutch is the local guy, but you and I agree right. that that doesn't that didn't, like I don't understand why that's a thing. That meant that meant a lot more when you didn't have private planes to go pick up players and bring them to Michigan and the <laughs> internet and other things that you know technological advancements that have made locality not as important for NFL players. Brad, Brad Holmes used to work for the St. Louis Rams and then he worked for the Los Angeles Rams. Like, why does he right. care about the like some dude from Michigan? I mean, mm-hmm. you're not selling any tickets because he's from Michigan. The question becomes: Is it Thibodeau or is it for me at least? Unless there's like some stingly sauce action at two, that feels aggressive given the Akuda, the way the Akuda pick is played out, even though it's a different regime. I, I feel like it's either Tibbs or Hutch at two. Yeah. And I lean Tibbs. And you've heard the same thing I've heard, which is that the Lions like Tibbs. Mm-hmm. Holmes has visited him a bunch. And as we talked about previously, Panay Sewell is in their building. He was their first-round pick last year. They like him a lot. They trust him. He has probably given them a recommendation on Kayvon Thibodeau. And I would guess he's not like, this guy's such a prick. Like, you Yeah, no, no. He and, he and Thibodeau are boys. Uh, exactly. And, exactly. And even like beyond the, we played on the same team, we knew each other, we're buddies thing. Sewell played a direct opposite Thibodeau, right? He went against Thibodeau in practice pass protection drills multiple years right yep. and that also matters a little bit because uh even more than just like the personality thing nfl teams have a big like you know what's it like when he hits you sort of a thing you know it's like like, like you can watch him and scout him but you want to know look at people did who have, guy yeah you want to know he, from people against whom he has played what it's like what it feels like that, that, that that's a thing that matters to teams so i think you have like Hutch, Mich- Michigan sort of vibes over here. And the whole, like, he's a big culture fit. Like, Dan Campbell, like, Hutch could have played at any school, Michigan or otherwise. Dan Campbell would like the way that Hutch acts. He would like the cut of his jibs. So you have, like, that. <laughs> and then you have Sewell with Thibodeau and kind of the the impression that they've got of him and that kind of background info. And even if those, like, cancel out, like, let's say those are equal on both sides. I'm not sure they are, but, like, sure, like, making a net neutral. Front office still likes him, right? From what I understand. The front office evaluated the two players with film and with analytics and with, you know, benchmarks and with guardrails and with personality, and they prefer Thibodeau. That's the side I'd like to be on because front office makes the pick. Campbell is a important dude in that room. Campbell's he's like a big fourth, personality. He's like the fourth voice at best. Yeah. In, when but it comes we, to yeah, we can't go so far as to say we on the outside have seen a lot of Dan Campbell pressers of him being like rowdy and, and rambunctious and funny, which means he probably makes the pick. Like that's too much of a mental leap. For me. So in my opinion, if Hutch and Thibault are there, it's a slight lean to Thibault. Uh, okay. I don't know what the updated numbers are because I'm not taking this unless something changes in the next 48 hours. I won't be touching this now. I got on it earlier with, with, with Thibodeau, but I'm Wait, not going to What, what did you get Thibodeau at two at? Um, I got him at plus 300. Or no, no, no. no. Plus 600. I got him at plus 600. Plus 600 is yeah, very yeah. good. Uh, I think it's um, like two to one at best right now. Yeah. Which I agree. I'm not taking Thibodeau two to one to go second. You're talking about a like I, I need more. I need I need a better number. Yeah. For that, maybe you could do a Walker Thibodeau exacta. Mm-hmm. And, but and even then, it's probably I don't know five to one at best. Yeah. What I would prefer to do if I'm going Walker Thibodeau and building that out is I would prefer to get the third position in there with the Texans and then take a couple of different flyers because yeah. we went from the Jags who could do a couple different things, but we think we know what they're going to do to the lions who 
could do one of two things, and we're hoping that we've got it right, to the Texans who could do one of 19 things. And so not not great. So if you're in a position where you feel like you've got a Walker bet that you like and you want to build out equity on that, I'd rather get a Walker, Thibodeau, blank, exacta and put a couple different names in there for the Texans at three and see if I can hit on one of those big swings. Because books have no idea what the Texans are doing. League has no idea what the Texans are doing. You and I have no idea what the Texans are doing. No one has any friggin' clue what the Texans are doing. Yeah. This whole, this whole, this whole like recent Derek Stingley thing to me is stinky. Suspicious. It's very, I love it, but suspicious. All right. So I I agree with you. The the only actionable thing on number two is doing a trifecta and splashing a couple different things with the Texans. I, I have come around to the idea that at three, the Texans are going to take. Iquanu, if he is there, because Ooh. I I believe like I've heard like people in Houston don't know what the Texans are going to do. Mm-hmm. Like even like you know they could go they could go Hutch for sure if he if he's there they could take Walker if he's there. Which all right let's let's operate under the assumption that we're going Walker one, and then we can we'll figure out you know we think it's either Hutch or Thibs at two. I just think the Texans look at Larry Tuttle's contract. Two years left on it. He's you know 28. They gave up a lot for him, but he's 28. Are they really going to give him some massive extension at the age of 29 or 30? I don't think so, given where their roster is and, and where the state of things are with that franchise. You could bring in Icky and play him at guard for a year, cut Tunsil after next year, and move Icky to left tackle. And I know that's not fundamentally intelligent from a development standpoint, but I don't think it's crazy to suggest the Texans might think that would work. My question is, if that, then why not Neil, who has played guard? Icky played guard, too. When did he play guard? Icky Icky actually was all-conference guard and tackle in the same year. I I had no idea this was a thing. I've been operating under Icky. I I only know this because I'm an NC State fan. Yeah. Yeah. Icky's moved all over the place. And... And and I talked to Icky at his pro day, and he said he would be. He's like, look, I want to be a left tackle, but I'll play wherever they want me to. I didn't know Neil would play guard. I thought Neil was just right tackle. Now the the thing with Bama is all these guys end up playing multiple positions because every year Bama can just put their best five out there in some various iteration, right? So like some right. due to guards, due to center, and it always works because they just have such good players. I didn't know. I didn't know NC State got down like that. We're just moving around our best player, playing him at guard a little bit. But yeah, okay. It was four, um, yeah, four snaps at left guard in 2020. Ah, there you go. Four yeah. snaps. Yeah, or four four games, four games. Four games. Yeah, okay. I was like, I was like, yeah, surely, cool. I was yeah. like, surely more than four snaps. Yeah, I thought you, um, since you're clowning me with four yeah. snaps. Both, um, but both but, like like I've I've had Neil the Texans for a long time, and over the last couple of weeks, I've started to change it a little bit more and just like look at different things and whatever. But the Neil and Icky thing both make sense to me in terms of getting yourself flexibility. On the Tunsil deal, which is pretty much the only whale deal that they have, like Brandon Cooks isn't even a whale deal relative to the wide receiver market. So gives you flexibility on the Larry Tunsil deal, which is nice if you're envisioning a long-term rebuild. If you are expecting to bring in a star rookie quarterback at some point, because that guy's probably not Davis Mills, even though for some reason you're just cool with that this year, uh, then it is nice to have the offensive line solved. you got to remember Houston ha- has a memory of rookie Deshaun and of second-year Deshaun and him just getting lambasted behind a really bad offensive line. Yeah. Uh, they have made a lot of recent and early investments in that line, though. Titus Howard, Max Sharping. So I would wonder if they do feel like other positions, corner being that big one, has just really gone by the wayside. It's really been neglected if they want to invest in that as well. But they have two first-round picks, so there's, like, there's movement, yeah. The thing of the cornerback that I can't get past is that, can you imagine Bill Belichick taking a quarterback third overall? No, but I also don't like, like I, I, I'm very reticent of because this guy came from the Patriots tree X, Y, and Z. That's that always, yeah, that, that to me, that that's always something that I am. It's, it's, it's definitely lazy yeah. analysis. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. it's terrible job, Brinson. No, yeah. but it, the reason, the reason for that is because when guys leave New England, it's often because they want to start doing things their own way a little bit differently sure. because the Patriot way, like obviously has its, its benefits and the culture about it is really good, but the team building aspect of it is not amazing, right? Like we talk about Belichick missing these first round picks on wide receivers. A lot of the successful moments in the Belichick era in terms of player 
uh, valuation and, and 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 acquiring has been with day three guys, right? It's been with like we brought in our, our slot receivers, <laughs> right? But like our our West Welkers yeah. and our Julian Edelman's, our, yeah. our 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 tight end, right? Rob Gronkowski with our, our entire offensive line and Dante Scarnecki is constantly turning out fifth round picks. Their early round draft strategy, if you just look at Patriots like first and second round picks. The Belgic area, it's not, it's not Lawrence, amazing. Lawrence Maroney, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, a little, you know. Uh, oh man, no, I mean, like, now, there have been a couple. Yeah. There have been a couple guys in the first, the early, the early rounds, like Adanta Hightower, mm-hmm. Chandler Jones, who they ended up trading, by the way. But like, but by and large, you're correct. Yeah, I'll it's right. It, it's it's not bad. It's just league. You know what I mean? It's got its hits and it's got its misses. The first, it's, it's hard to draft guys. It's hard yeah. to draft and. Belichick gets more scrut has gotten more scrutiny on the draft in recent years because people because Tom Brady's gone now and people are like, oh, was this whole 20 year run of incredible championships solely based on a lucky pick in the sixth round in nineteen two thousand? Yeah, and so like it, it's it's revisionist history, but the reality is you're only going to hit on a certain percentage of your draft picks. No one is hitting a hundred percent. This is why less need is like f them picks. Because he knows that you're not going to get a stud in the first round every time. Yep. Uh, it's an uncertain science. And so all of that to say that I, I always struggle to map Patriot intentions onto ex-Patriots who are now in the draft space. One, until I see what they do and I know what they do, right? Because eventually with the Lions, with Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, we're like, okay, you they guys are literally cosplaying the Patriots. Yes. They took a coup to third. They did. There you go. Mm. All right. So if you were going to bet anything on the third overall pick, and like, I guess, I guess, what would you do from a gambling standpoint on the third overall pick at this point? Because I, I, I like, I'm not betting Stingley if he's the favorite. I don't think it's crazy that they take Stingley third. I don't think it's crazy if they take Icky third. I don't think it's crazy if they take Neil. I, I don't think anything is off the table for the Texans. I, I believe they would love to trade down. They won't find somebody to do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't. I have some. I have Stingley and Sauce, Ahmad Gardner. Sauce Gardner, third overall. Um, and I think that's it. But I found myself while doing my final mock that was due several hours ago and is not finished, um, <laughs> leaning towards Icky at three. Yeah. So right now, if I'm like, I'm looking off FanDuel, Stingley is the favorite at plus 250. He just recently moved to the favorite at plus 300, a lot of books, and he's still going down. Uh, so if you got a piece of Stingley, awesome. Uh, earlier today, you could still get Stingley as just like a straight top five pick uh, to be available at like, uh, I think plus 300 when I had it. I'm sure that number is going to be down a little bit now, but that's the sort of thing that I would rather do. And you just get yourself a little bit of protection, assuming maybe some of this hype is is unwarranted, especially with the Giants sitting there at five. And we know the Giants are a corner potential team as well. If Stingley's that high, I will buy opposite and take Gardner at plus 430 right now in FanDuel. Gardner has been the consensus corner one this entire time. What What do you think yeah. about those two guys? Just from a pure evaluation standpoint, I mean, Stingley obviously has the insane 2019. Yep. But then Gardner comes from a school where, and uh, you know, since he's not you know this P5 powerhouse, but man, their defense is elite. I trust their defense. I trust the the way they teach the defense, and he seems his floor is much safer than Stingley's. The Stingley yeah. ceiling is probably higher, right? Uh, yeah, it's a good way of looking at it. Right now, by the way, Derek Stingley is plus 170 to be a top five pick, which to me is nice if you're not sold on Texas at three. But you know what's really weird, by the way? What's that? My buddy Newman just texted me a link to a tweet of yours about Cincinnati. The Bearcats? Something about Desmond Ritter. I don't yeah, know. Was, I, I just wrote about Ritter. He was like, he, like, it popped up. It was like, yeah, it was like Ben Solak on Twitter. I was like, what? listen, it's like from, a Solak live right yeah. now dude. from uh, from a couple years ago. I've really liked a lot of these Cincinnati prospects uh, and it's excited the year, this year. that These guys are coming out. It's been a really good team with good recruits and well coached and yada, yada, whatever. Stingley versus sauce uh, sitting here with you, Will, in the comfort of my own home, drinking my coffee. I'll tell you, Stingley's <laughs> a better prospect because uh, the, the, the peak film was better. And also I have a little bit better proof of concept, right? The thing with sauce is these press man only corners. And I was a little bit hesitant around JC Horn out of South Carolina last year because of this, they do a really good job denying college receivers line of scrimmage. And when you deny those college receivers, you deny targets. When you deny targets, you deny opportunities for ball production, which doesn't mean you're a bad player. It just means when I go to the film to see how you perform at the catch point 
in phase downfield, right? In transition, in a break on a route, things that matter to NFL teams. I don't have as many looks at it as I do usually otherwise, right? Well, uh, that creates uncertainty in the eval. Whereas with a guy like Stingley, who played a, a much v- greater variety of coverages against a much greater variety of receiver styles as well, uh, I get a little bit better proof of concept. It, you know, if I'm picking the best film, if I'm picking like when you're on the field and you're healthy, right? For Stingley right, and for course, Sauce. Yeah. So that's me sitting here. If I had my million dollar job of a general manager on the line, I probably wouldn't say it with my chest as much because there's <laughs> there's that uncertainty around Stingley yeah. coming off of a major foot injury. Liz Frank is not to sneeze at, uh, and then also having I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather pick, I'd rather draft somebody who tore their ACL than somebody who had a Liz Frank. Yes, exactly. And so medical staff is a huge part of this, right? Uh, always important to remember that a player's medical concerns is not a spectrum; it is black or white. Right. Uh, we always talk about like, oh, kind of like discount the guy around that works. Like once we get out of the top 10, top 15 players, but at this area, it's either white. We are comfortable black in the draft of this guy or black. We are not comfortable drafting yes. this guy, period. And knowing which team falls where is tough, right? It, um, no, it's, it's impossible. You yeah. cannot, you cannot know that it, like as a media member, the only yeah. way you can know that is if you are, in the front office of that looking at the board and seeing that the name shows a big red cross, right? That, that little red cross, like the health symbol on that saying, we're not like, he's up there. We're not going to, he's not for us because we, our doctors don't think he's going to make a whole first contract career or whatever. So if I were, if I were hanging my job on it, I'd probably, and I I knew I had a corner pick in the top five. I would have to do do a ton of work to feel good about Stingley. And maybe I would maybe, but like without the access and without that process, I don't really know. And so that like that ceiling floor is a good way of thinking about it. Really. It's kind of the volatility of it here right now. I think everything lands heads for both players. Stingley will be the better NFL corner. She's got to flip a lot more coins for Stingley. And I don't know how that's going to fall, man. What a good way of describing that. Um, I'm professional media member over here. Right. I know. No, it's true though. Like, you, you know, I'm like, I'm like, trust me, Stingley is like this guy yeah. has such a ceiling. But then, like, if you were actually forced to make the pick, yeah, you're like, no, no, no. You know what? I'm actually right. scared. Give me something. The thing I always <laughs> say is, is we out here, you know, NFL fans, NFL media, think that a GM's job is to draft good players, and it's not. We think their job is to build a good team, and it's not. We think their job is to win Super Bowls, it's not. Their number one job, their first responsibility, is to keep their job. Yes, <laughs> it's a volatile field. And you may not get a second chance. Your first, the, the first thing on a GM's mind when he wakes up in the morning is how do I not get fired today? It, and then everything, and like, like winning Super Bowls, winning games, that helps with that. But also not face planting helps with that. And that's why you get a lot mistakes, of mistakes. What mistakes can I dodge today? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. How can I just get through the minefield, cash another check next Friday, and we are good to go, baby. Yep, for sure. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will knock out a few more picks here in the top 10 and beyond. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. One of the things that makes this draft so tough. You like how there's like a professional commercial in the middle of our. Yo, I, I I'm gonna watch that. I haven't <laughs> seen a can have that. That was a good show. I know, right? So Miles uh, Teller. So people who are watching on YouTube saw the Paramount Plus commercial 
uh, people who are listening on the podcast would not have seen it, but go sign up for Paramount Plus. It's a fantastic service, and there's like a making of the Godfather type uh, show that's coming out. I, I'm very intrigued by it. Um, at anywho, uh, when we uh, when we look at this first round, one of the things that makes it really tough is that there are eight teams, maybe nine. Is it eight or nine teams that have two first round picks? There's really no way of knowing scientifically. I mean, um, you can't count it. I mean, Jets, I'm, Giants, Eagles, Saints, Texans, Packers. That's six. Chiefs. Chiefs, seven. Call it eight. Lions. There you go. There it is. That's one. Lions. That's eight. There we go. Think so, about it no more, and hopefully it was on a ninth. I know there could be a there could be a third. Or there could be a tenth, 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 uh, tenth team on the on the hill. Um the Jets have four. The Giants have five. The Jets also have 10, but the Giants also have seven. It makes it, 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 it's sort of like being at the turn of a fantasy football draft because you have to figure out what will, like, what will the Jets do at four knowing that they have 10? And what will the Giants do at five knowing that they have seven? Mm -hmm. And in between both of those, are three absolute wild cards in terms of the Panthers at six who are desperate to trade down and will probably be willing to take a massive, um, uh, a massive you know, discount to move down, and the Falcons and the Seahawks, who mm-hmm. I I feel like no one really knows yeah. what those teams currently are. employ Marcus Mariota and Drew Locke as their starting quarterbacks. Figuring out what that team's going to do top 10 with, with teams like that would be such easy quarterback spots in years previous. But in this year, it actually makes it a little bit difficult, right? Um, our buddy, Anthony Amica of, uh, of established the run made the good point of saying that like for mock draft scores this year, for like mock draft accuracy, those teams with the two picks are really important, especially the ones that are cl- clustered together because hopefully you can get some player pick uh, player team matches there, right? You can like, you know, give the Giants Ikiakuanu, right? Give the Giants Sauce Gardner. And then if you're at five or at seven, you're able to get them. And, and that's helpful. But in terms of figuring out who goes top five and who goes, you know, top 10, the Jets being like on, on the straddle is really helpful. And then the the uh, uh, the Giants at five and seven being there as well. So you start to feel a little bit better about bets like, you know, uh, Sauce Gardner had top 10 odds of like a month ago, which felt great. Cause like he's a, he's a legit option for, all four of those guys. Jermaine Johnson had his over under the edge out of Florida State sitting at 10 and a half uh, yesterday when there was this real big push to saying like, hey, the Jets would draft Jermaine Johnson over Kayvon Thibodeau. They draft Jermaine Johnson over Chandler Jones. They draft him over your mother. Like they would draft him over everybody, right? And like having that 10 and a half is good because if they do pass on him at four and believe they can get him at 10, you still get that 10 in there. So it's kind of like situational things you have to look at. Uh, and so like, what, what are we what are we positive about? Giants are probably drafted a tackle, right? Like you got you got to feel like with it with, with a decent interior offensive line with the miss on Andrew Thomas with no guys kind of behind, right? And Thomas like played better last year, but still like there's uncertainty there. They're gonna take a tackle. Okay, well let's look at Equanu's overs and like you know Evan Neal overs got super steamed. Do we want to buy back? Do we want to take an under and assume that he gets there at seven if the number gets to that line? Like that's the way you have to talk about it. Is just saying like who does this specific team like? And if I have two outs on that player now instead of one, what does that let me bet with a little bit more confidence? Yeah. I I think the the thing about Icky, all right, so the Jets at four, to me, it comes down to like I, I think Joe Douglas wants to draft Icky. You think everybody wants to draft Icky. That's what you I'm thinking. I want to draft Icky. He's great. I want to draft Icky. Icky's my top I want, I want to draft yeah. Icky too. He's also like not just a really good prospect he's like a great person mm-hmm. he announced this week he's starting a gigantic charity to to stop poverty in charlotte good kid why would the panthers not dra- if, the, if, if icky is there at six and the panthers don't draft icky i promise you there will be a like pitchforks and and flaming torches like a march from well everyone from raleigh is going to jump on the train and take it down to charlotte and and burn down david tepper's house how, the fork. Panthers haven't taken a lot of NC State kids, have they? Never in the history of the franchise. Never taken one. Not one. They had Terrence Holt on the on the roster at one point in time, and that's it. It is a source is a source of is a very sore subject. I'm picking up on that. I'm feeling some consternation. <laughs> I mean, it's like just draft. Like like if they if they were to draft if they were to 
not pass on Icky and then draft Sam Howell in the third round or, or fourth round or whatever, it, it would be pandemonium. Anywho, no one cares about NC State and Carolina and the Panthers. Um, the, uh, the Evan Neal over got so smashed mm-hmm. on uh, Monday. I, like, I, I don't know if I want to buy back on it. I, I think it's like there's some – there's some concern about medicals with him that's being not really talked about, but kind of talked about. I, I, you know, I know Peter King wrote that three quarters of the league is fine with him. And then I know somebody who uh, was told that the medicals aren't a concern with Neil. So, so it does feel like maybe a buyback spot. If, if it continues to go up, I'm going to look at it at five and a half right now. I'm not. Like, um, it, sounds, I can get, yeah, it yeah. feels like the Jets are kind of tired of Makai Becton. Yeah, that's the thing, right? If I can get Texans at three, which is still a potential Neil spot to make, yes. Jets at four, Jets at five, and Panthers at six, if they cannot trade back, at this point, you guys got to take left tackle to get the memes to stop. You got to take a left tackle to stop <laughs> really so that people stop telling you how many different left tackles you've had starting over the past 10 years, whatever the heck it is. Uh, then I start to feel like, all right, if I can get an under on, on, one of the top three tackles with four potential out uh, tackle outs. Yeah. That, 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 that's a bet I'm willing to make. So that's one that I'm, I'm, I'm watching the Charles cross one uh, right now. The under is massively steamed at minus two ten, yeah. right? Is at minus six, two ten now? Minus two ten at FanDuel on six and a half, right? That's too much for me. I don't know what other books are right now. Uh, but that's one where that's the sort of situation I, I, I'd like, and I'd be interested in for Neil. I've thought about it with cross. I just struggle a lot with cross because, he is always been from an air raid system and yeah i don't like the thing is like film wise i don't worry about him film wise i think cross is a better player than neil draft wise and betting wise yeah yeah, yeah. i don't neil neil's big and being big solves a lot of problems (laughs) and he's got he's got good technique and 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 and, you know he's he's done work it's like he's just a big but being big solves a lot of problems for you he's not super flexible he likes to bend at the waist he doesn't recover very well and like that's the the difference between like a you know makai backton who when he played was so good to like Orlando Brown, who's good and being huge is very helpful, but also they'll be like third and 10 and that edge knows you can just blow right by him as long as he lines up wide and goes. Uh, and so I don't, I don't rank Neil where I rank Icky and cross the cross, the, the cross under now is under seven and a half minus two eighty. Where's that? This is at uh, Caesars. We see now Fandle has under six and a half minus two ten. I mean, should I There's be a, betting under? I gotta look and see what my look. Yeah, it was seven, seven, seven and a half yesterday. What is happening here? Yeah, Charles Cross oh, under six and a half minus one forty on DraftKings. So don't take the Fanduel price. The moral of the story: either take six and a half. Oh, they put Cross off the board here. Wow. Yeah. Under. I mean, six do you and a half. do you think the Giants would just straight up take Cross at five ahead of? Let's say Icky's off the all right. right. I mean, Icky's, you like Icky better than Cross, right? Yeah. Icky Cross, Space Neil. Okay. So if, if Icky's gone, do the Giants just take Cross at five? Because the Giants, it's a weird thing for the Giants mentally because you can't, like, you have to think the Panthers are going to take an offensive lineman. But if you have, like, Stingley there and you love Stingley, you have to assume that the Panthers will be willing to trade out if, like, the Seahawks wanted to come up and get Stingley or the Jets wanted to come up and get JMO or whatever. So it's, but you can't, you can't, if you, if you, if you like cross that much more than Neil, you cannot let the Panthers have access to both. If you think they're going to take the best offensive lineman. Right. And that's, that's what I'm thinking about, right? Like it depends on what your Delta is between cross and Neil yeah. is if you're fine, then there's no, with either, there's no harm, no foul of letting the Panthers have both. Cause they can't take both. If you're fine with either one of them, yeah. then you take the best player, the and other the player you want at seven. And that's when you want, and this is, this is a big part of draft calculus, betting the draft that stuff is then you want the seven and a half at Caesars, even at the minus two eighty juice, because you're getting the, the protection on that pick, right? You're getting the extra out is what we talked I was talking about with, with teams and multiple first round picks. Um, Mike Garof- Garofolo reported that the giants are not a team with medical concerns on Neil. Um, he said that, that he was asked, I can't remember if it was good morning football, if it was just like a talking head for NFL, but he was asked like, all right, no icky Aquano, he's off the board cross or Neil. And he said that he thought the giants would take Neil over cross. So that leads me to not like, I'm not super confident on that cross number because of that. And that's what the main thing that like, for me, like I like cross better, but cross this entire time has been tackle three. 
same thing with like Stingley's always been corner two under sauce. And like the last like week we've seen this push. And to me that, that reflects reality in the sense that the consensus rankings are never as consensus as we think they are. Right. But usually that pendulum swings too far. And it's like, well, cross might be ranked higher than Neil. No, I think still more teams in the league like Neil than they like cross. It's just more teams like cross than we originally thought like three weeks ago. Right. And so figuring out that balance is tough. I've taken very few bets on the tackle market. I talked about this on the ringer gambling show last week corner. I think I've got figured out pretty Subscribe, great review. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go, go team. Uh, corner, I think I've got figured out pretty nicely. Wide receiver, I think I've got figured out pretty nicely. Quarterback, in terms of the position markets, tackle, I'm I'm all over the place. Every yeah. team that could need a tackle could like all three. And so that's generally, for me, like stay away unless I get a, a line that hangs. I, I think that's a good call because you're going to have teams that like Cross more. You're going to have teams that love Icky. You're going to have teams that think Icky's a guard. You're going to have th- teams that want to put Neil at right tackle. You're going to have teams that have like rule out Neil because of medicals. I mean, like, there's all different variables that play into that market that makes it tough. You mentioned the wide receiver market um, and having it figured out. So, by all, <laughs> by all means, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, are you are you in the five figure JMO club where if JMO goes top five, you're buying a yacht and moving to an island? I'm not in the five figure club for anything. I ain't got that that yeah, that sort of gumption yet. But um, I'm I'm definitely in the JMO club in the sense that the line available was really good uh, back in, back in the day, back in the before times. Um, so top 10 J- JMO, a first receiver JMO and a top five JMO. All of these things would be delightful to see. Just one of the three, honestly, would be great uh, if we can get one of those, which I still think is very possible. Um, the idea of some of these teams who are definitely multiple years away, uh, Panthers trading out of six for a team it's, that really wants so much sense. Yeah, for a team that really wants Wilson. Plus, like Falcons at eight, who aren't going to be winning anything this year. Do you think Wilson or or, or, or Williams? Williams, excuse Sorry, me. Yeah, Williams. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so right, fa- uh, Falcons at eight for a team that's multiple years away. Seahawks at nine for a team that's multiple years away. In the event that we have a Metcalf move, like all of these are our potential outs for Williams in the top ten. Also, the Jets, who just we know like the receivers. I don't think the Jets have Williams ranked above. Garrett Wilson and Drake London, but you don't know who's going to go beforehand. You don't know if they feel like there's going to be a wide receiver run. And so Williams top 10 is still possible. It's plus 175, whereas Drake London is plus 250 right now. Uh, both of those to me are are good bets. They're reasonable bets. Uh, Drake London is probably a little bit better at the current price. Um, excuse me. That, that's all for first receiver. I apologize. Um, man, DraftKings moved around all their props on me, and now I keep looking at the wrong things. Okay, top 10. Here we are. Garrett Wilson minus 175, Jameson minus 125, Drake London plus 125. Yeah, at that point, the only thing I like there is Garrett Wilson, just because Wilson, I think, is near lock to go top 10 at this point. Would you, so we have at Caesars, Jameson Williams under 11 and a half minus 130. That's a bet, right? Yes, I would I say so. so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's 11 like- is the freaking... Uh, Vikings are 12. Oh, it's Washington. Yes. Yes. Washington is a nice, is a nice hook to have there as well. I've seen, I've seen JP Finley talk about this a lot. The commanders or whatever the hell we want to call them. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think, by the way, do you think we'll go back to the original name once Elon Musk takes over Twitter? Uh, (laughs) I think we'll stay, but uh, (laughs) you thinking commanders for Drake London, JP, JP Finley has been saying they kind of need a cornerback more than they need a wide receiver. And I think they, but, but then, you know, as Josh Norris has pointed out, uh, and Josh has, Josh is, there's no one, the the only person better than me at nailing Marty Herney slash Ron Rivera picks is Josh Norris. And he's pointed out correctly that, um, they, Marty, Marty and Ron, Ron only goes to pro days away from like the near vicinity Mm -hmm. of his stadium if they're trying to draft somebody and they went to Ohio state wide receiver pro days. So that, that is a thing for that is probably for real, but I I just sort of wonder if their need is like, is there need wide receiver as much as it is on the defensive side of the ball? I do think that wide receivers is an important need. McLaurin is going to be coming to the end of his contract. Paying wide receivers is a lot it'd be nice to have a little bit of insurance, especially if McLaurin decides to make it difficult because he doesn't want to stay in Washington, which sure. this guy's had Alex Smith and and uh, Taylor Heineke throwing him the ball the entire time. I would not wa- fault him for really wanting to get out of Washington when his contract expires. Now it's Carson Wentz. The biggest need for the Washington football team, Washington Commanders, is quarterback. We don't, oh, okay. we don't, yeah. we don't, we don't talk about it, but it is. And the trade of what, a second and a third round pick 
should not be enough, should not be nearly enough, especially on an expiring deal. You got to remember with Carson Wentz uh, to move them off of quarterback. So to be quarterback is still a potential. And I would love if the Malik Willis line could go and to incorporate 11 right now, it kind of sits around like, I think 10 and a half. I've seen a couple of 11s get, uh, if you saw a 12 and a half over under Malik Willis, you would take the under. Yeah. You think he goes to Washington, don't you? I think there are three teams between eight and 11 that he can go to and 10 of the jets is not one of them. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, um, I would love, love, love to believe in the NFL not overdrafting this quarterback class. That'd be delightful. I yeah, would, they, they won't do it. it would, right, exactly. What did I say at the top? You cannot assume rational actors in the NFL. Bad, bad decision. We know that the single best thing in the world to have in your NFL franchise is a quarterback on a rookie contract. Jason Fitzgerald of Over the Cap tweeted today, right, like, a graph of like what positions you should draft. Like, you know, it's like dots on a scatter pot, you know, nerd things, but quarterbacks in its <laughs> own quadrant in terms of the, the value you get from not paying that guy big money while he's also starting caliber. It is still, even with the changes to how first first round picks are played in the most recent CBA astronomical relative to the other positions. It's how your guy, Doug Peterson, and your Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl. Right. It's just because you had money to spend. And so if this is an NFL in which movement is constant, if this is an NFL in which players are constantly moving around, quarterbacks are constantly moving around, which drives up the, the trade prices for quarterbacks and the contracts, right? We saw the Deshaun Watson deal. The, if you have a guy who you think has an outside shot, and Malik Willis is an outside shot of being a really, really good quarterback in the league, taking him, even if you are less confident in his evaluation than jermaine johnson's or drake london's or whatever is warranted because if he hits it helps your team more than if the other guy hits Correct. drake london hits you have a wide receiver one cool so i got a wide receiver you have one. Terry McLaurin. that guy's got a wide receiver one everybody yeah. got a wide receiver one everybody. you you have quarterback hits rookie contract now we're cooking with gas uh, and so i don't subscribe to the belief that the first quarterback pick will be the steelers at 20 i would be surprised if we get past 15, 16. Uh, earlier than that, just I'm trying to think of who might trade down. I think the Vikings want to stay, but like 13, right? Texans second pick. Uh, Ravens even. The Ravens like to trade up. But yeah, like uh, let's call it. Are you saying like a swap pick. out for the Yeah. yeah. I think I, I'd be surprised if we get through the top half of the first round without a quarterback pick. Well, and, uh, and, and, and the other thing too is that like, do you remember the time when uh, the Bears traded multiple picks to move up one spot and draft Mitchell Trubisky? Uh, yeah, I seem to recall that. Like, I have, NFL I teams that. do stupid stuff for quarterbacks. They're yeah. like, they're it's it's quarterbacks are a thirst trap. So quarterbacks in the draft are a thirst trap for NFL teams and GMs. Yeah, but yeah, right. Right now, Malik Willis at twelve and a half is a line that I I intend to take, and okay. I have already taken Malik Willis lines. Uh, and so I have to be a little bit careful with continuing to take Malik Willis lines. But <laughs> I, I uh, was I would I was telling I think I mean personally I would lean over. On Malik mm -hmm. Willis, just because, but I do like uh, my buddy Pete Prisco, who's gotten dragged for Malik Willis takes this week, deservedly so. Although he claims it was like he claims he got edited by somebody. Any, anyway, Pete is like Pete's like I wouldn't draft any of these quarterbacks in the first round, but people in the league keep telling me two of them are going to the top ten, which is probably not happening now, but not that insane. I think that. Every opinion we have about the quarterback class matters until the moment the clock starts on pick one. And then at that moment, it becomes so itchy, right? It's the no. word where you're just sitting there and you're the Saints with the 16th pick and you have the, the extra ammo for the trade up with 20. And you are just thinking to yourself, we have a round one on Willis. We have a round one on Desmond Ritter. And then the 10th pick goes and the 11th pick goes. And you're sitting there thinking, if he's good, we're the dumbest people in the world. What mistakes can I avoid that will not get me fired? Which the Saints are bad example because Mickey Loomis will never get fired. And but Mickey like, you know, making the picks yeah. anyway. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's like doing Pelicans work. So um, it's, it's the, yeah. first, the first draft I ever covered for CBS, they sent me to New York in 2011. And as a, you know, somebody who grew up as a Panthers fan, Panthers are no one overall pick, Cam Newton. But then, like, you look at the, like, you, I mean, obviously, this is sort of the, the draft we all look back on as 
just pure insanity in terms of where quarterbacks were taken. But I remember sitting in Radio City Music Hall, and it's like Ponder, Locker, Gabbard. And it was like, what the hell is happening? And Kevin Cobb may have been traded for on that same night, I believe. Uh, Eagles I, to the Cardinals, yep. Yeah. Like the Cardinals were like, well, we didn't get Jake Locker or Blaine Gabbard. I guess we'll just trade for Kevin Cobb. Like teams do irrational things when it comes to quarterbacks. Okay. Um, the other, the one other thing I would say on the quarterback market right now is that uh, Malik Wilson minus 190 to be the first quarterback taken. And then Kenny Pickett at plus 170. And then Desmond Ritter at plus 1,000. Kenny Pickett is not going to be the first quarterback taken. No. It's a, it is a ludicrous line. The only way it happens is if he goes to the Panthers at six. And the guy who you said picks the, picks the Panthers, well, Josh Norris who says it's not happening. And I, I, I think the Panthers are not taking a quarterback unless yes. they trade down. And so to me, uh, minus 190 and plus 1,000 is as close to, you know, a direct arb as you're going to get on draft night. It, there's risk. I'm not going to tell you it is, but I have a lot of Ritter quarterback one when it was like plus 2000 plus 25, 25, 2500, yeah, 25 to one Ritter. Yeah, yeah. And I have a lot of Malik first quarterback taken. I, I, we've had multiple reports that like every team in the league has a first round grade on Ritter. I don't know why plus 1000 is just sitting there, but it is. And to me, it, it's not likely to happen, but take that and take Malik. And to me, you're, you're about as safe as you can get on draft night. I, I like that. That's a good, that's a good call. Um, someone in the, uh, Oh, look at, look at, look, we got some celebrities showing up in the chat here. Uh, Vegas refund says talking QBs. Yes, we are talking QBs. BR. Uh, somebody wants to know, Solak, where's your cheese? Oh, I forgot. We were supposed to talk cheese on this draft on this pod. Uh, cheese downstairs. I'll be honest. I had some cheese for breakfast this morning. Uh, as well. I had a, I had a, uh, my, for me, my whole Lenten fast right before Easter is all meat and all dairy. That's like prescribed by the church. So I haven't had cheese for a long time. So I've had cheese. Uh, I've had a lot of cheese. You, you did a Lent cheese fast? Yeah. So Lent, So in the Orthodox Church, the Lenten fast is no meat, no dairy the whole time. <sighs> yeah, which is tough. That's tough. So all that to say is that right now my cheese drawer, it, it, the cup runneth over, if you will. I got a lot of cheese downstairs, and thank goodness for that. What's um? You're the you're the you're you're Trent Balky. No offense. Mm -hmm. um, you have the number one overall pick. It's a cheese draft. Mm -hmm. Where are you going? Uh, like feta, but feta doesn't count because feta is not like a like feta is like, a, like, like a vegetable. Yeah, exactly. Feta is like it's like you know whatever. Uh, the correct uh take would be brie. Brie yeah, is the best. Cheese. Brie is the best. Uh, it is versatile. It can be added to some of things. It can be eaten separately. Brie cheese is delightful. Brie brie cheese is like melty, but also like you know yeah. spread. It's spreadable. Right. <laughs> no, not, exactly. Not Good a, on sandwiches. Bit, unique yeah. flavor, right? You never eat brie and you're like, I wonder what that is. Like like brie cheese goes hard. Good is up there, obviously, very safe bet. Um, right now the best cheese is the Trader Joe's St. Andre cheese. All right. Oh. Which in my Trader Joe's is directly bottom right corner. Don't know where it is in your Trader Joe's. Uh, um, I don't I'm not a big Trader Joe. I'm I'm we I I'm, I'm a fresh market guy. I'm not a big Trader Joe's guy either, but the thing is uh my fresh wife market decides, has fresh. Yeah. Do you guys have? You guys, you probably don't even know what a fresh market is. Fresh market. The fresh fresh market is like is is high end grocery shopping. Uh, American Chain Supermarket is based in Greensboro, North Carolina. Yes, there's only like right. North Carolina based. Their cheese selection, Ben, it 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 has like a it wraps around a corner. Mm -hmm. It is like it is a entire like elite cheese selection i got some un i sent a picture of it i got some unbelievable some like cars table uh, uh cars way you know the car crackers the, yeah i got some cars and i got some uh some elite brie the other day and man it's fantastic yeah the um, producer's asking how i'm not a wegmans person i am oh, i don't well. i don't live in eastern pa anymore but eastern pa baby wegmans wegmans is the move oh yeah not as correct uh, there is a wegman so the wegmans is right by the trader joe's in raleigh mm -hmm. I've I've went in the Wegmans once and I'm like incredibly intimidated. It is enormous. Yeah, it it is quite something. But back in back in the day in high school, cross country meets, we would end a meet and we would go to Wegmans. You fuel up. Wegmans was the spot to be, man. They got everything in the world there. Yeah, I was I was uh, petrified by the by the Wegmans when I went in. The only time I've been in, we also got a uh, Torchy's tacos next to the Wegmans too. Have you eaten Torchy's? Never Torchy's. Pretty good tacos. Uh, Dallas based or Houston based, maybe. Um, okay. We, we'll get you out of here on this. All right. Since we already talked cheese. 
Are there any first round bets still to be made? Non parlay version. Are there any like yeah? Because we t- we talked about this a little bit like there or maybe before the show started like you know you can parlay all these guys. The, if, to me, the, to me, fifteen to thirty two, and maybe even like twelve to thirty two, is so wide open. They're they're just guys who are going to creep in, or maybe it's a top ten bet. Like what um. What on the board interests you that's still available? Like, I think Jordan Davis, top 10. I'm not sure what the number is. I know his under has come way down. Um, yeah. Top 10 right now for Jordan Davis at DraftKings is plus 400. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Four to, four to one. At this point, I might have more than 10 players with top 10 bets, which is <laughs> concerning, uh, you know, statistically there. I don't know if you I have that. 45 first round bets. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, if you're getting plus odds, it actually is okay, but that's a different story. Uh, the thing to me that is most attractive right now is I think that the, the corners are being inappropriately priced. Uh, that's Kyler Gordon at plus 110 and Kyrie Elam at plus 125. Uh, I think that Andrew Booth, corner out of Clemson at minus 175, has a good chance to be a total round one faller. And he's a, a favorite to go round one at every book I right fall. now. Like, like he yeah. gets out of the first round. But he's out. Yeah. Uh, there, there's He's had multiple sports hernia surgeries. That's a problem. Yeah, he has not played in the NFL yet. He's got multiple sports hernia surgeries. That, that's really worrisome. Uh, even if Booth goes, but let's talk right now if he doesn't. Uh, the league has told you they like to draft corners at the end of round one, right? Nice. We had Greg Newsom and Eric Stokes both make it in the twenties last year, 26 and 29. The nice year beforehand. Campbell shortly afterwards too. Yeah. The light year before that we had Damon Arnett at 19, which Raiders obviously, but then no, like at 30, uh, Jeff Gladney at 31, right? In 2019, we had Deandre Baker make it at 30. And then Byron Murphy was the first pick of the second round at 33, 2018. You had Jerry Alexander at 18. You had Mike Hughes make it at 30. The team, the league likes to take gambles on corners, especially athletes at the end of the first round. That's a good position to go and try to, to snipe a guy. It's a good area for corners. We've heard a lot of Kyler Gordon round one buzz. He is still plus 110. To me, that is too cheap. Kyrie Elam has not had the same amount of buzz. I generally like him better uh, as a prospect, and he's had some round one buzz. Plus 125 to me is incorrect. Uh, and so Kyler got hit to like minus 110 at some point, and then it's kind of fallen back a little bit, which is a, a bit of a moment for pause. But in general, if you're if, if I'm assuming no Andrew Booth, which is what I'm basing this off of, you're going to tell me that Stingley and Sosko top five, Trent McDuffie goes 12 to the Vikings. And there's just no more corners. And then no corners go next 20 picks. Yeah, right. That to me smells funky. Right. Uh, all, so, all, by the way, while there's like nine wide receivers taken. Yeah, exactly. That that just to me is 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 not right. It's that, that that cannot be. Uh, and so the fact that these guys are just kind of hanging around. And, and also worth noting that Dax Hill is a little bit of a, a hedge there because... He's also like a little bit of a, a corner, but he's a slot guy. Kyler and, and Kyler, Kyler Gordon and Kyrie Elam press big outside man guys. So they play different roles. I uh, like at least one of those guys, if not both, just sneak in the first round. I love it. All right. Uh, go listen to Ben Solak on multiple Ringer podcasts. Ringer NFL show. Ringer NFL draft show. Ringer gambling show. Ringer NFL gambling draft show. Ringer, all just those words. Spotify and and it, it'll be there. Can you, can you, can you search? Yeah. Does, that, does that work? Can you search Ben Solak and Spotify? I, I've never tried, I, I wonder if I can search Will Brinson in Spotify. How intriguing is that? Um, you might just get like episodes that I've been on because like then I'm in the title. Huh, you can search me in Spotify. That's kind of cool. I don't I don't know why I've, I've been doing this for like 15 years and I'm like like thrilled by being searchable in Spotify. Yeah, it's mostly just episodes I've been a guest on. So yes. soon this this podcast will show up. Oh, you're right. Oh, there you go. Um, the Ringer, all the Ringer shows. You do great work y'all y'all do y'all's draft show is very uh it's very fun it's um it's like youthful hipstery oh yeah 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 it's, it's four, I mean, four, I mean, four I mean, that 30s white guys yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. You know and, our lane. and yeah. like sometimes i'll be listening to it and i'm like walking my dog and i'm like wait which who is talking yeah they blend they definitely blend <laughs> a little bit there's no way around it <laughs> which is fine um we're your nfl show is great follow him on twitter at benjamin solak Read his work at theringer.com. You, as as, as we mentioned, you you guys, you and Steven, like, I feel like, like and everybody at The Ringer, Kevin Clark obviously is great too, but you guys do great work there. And appreciate you taking the time, buddy. This is, uh, I could have done this for, you know, another hour, but we have yeah, to go well, back. I got to go do that actual show right now. So we got to get back to the draft. You don't get another hour. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it, man. Of course. Thanks, y'all.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 